Hello and welcome back to another episode of the So You Think You Know Canada A podcast series. I'm your host, Madison Fairchild. Many non-Indigenous Canadians don't know much about the topic of today's podcast or have never even heard about it. From the 1950s to the 1980s, thousands of Indigenous children were stripped from their homes, communities, and families and placed in foster care where they were to be adopted into white families across Canada and the United States. This is Season 1, Episode 8, The Inside Scoop on the 60 Scoop. The term 60 Scoop was first used by researcher Patrick Johnston in his 1983 report on Indigenous children in the child welfare system. It is called this because it felt like kids were literally being scooped from the arms of their parents. Most social workers didn't have any knowledge of indigenous cultures or history, so they didn't understand their ways. For example, social workers didn't know that their traditional aboriginal diet consisted of dried game, fish, and berries. So when they didn't see that the fridges and cupboards weren't full of typical Euro-Canadian foods, they would just assume that the children were not being taken care of. This example is taken from the Indigenous Foundation's website. In 1951, revisions made to the Indian Act gave the provinces the authority over Indigenous child welfare. Many Indigenous communities suffered from poverty, high death rates, unemployment, and addiction. These issues were primarily caused by the effects of federal policies in residential schools. Therefore, provincial child welfare agencies decided to remove children from their homes instead of providing resources and support for the communities. The government thought this was the easiest and fastest way to deal with Indigenous child welfare issues. The people involved with the adoptions had good intentions and thought they were giving these children a better life because they didn't understand or appreciate their culture. The 60s scoop had a major impact on Indigenous children as well as their families. More than 20,000 First Nation, Métis, and Inuit children were taken from their homes and put into foster care. Families were given little or no warning that their kids were being taken and it was without their consent. It wasn't until the Child, Family, and Community Services Act in 1980 that social workers needed to inform the band council of a child's removal. The children were emotionally and physically separated from their families. Many adoptees experienced sexual, emotional, and or physical abuse, as well as forced labor by being put into the system. Even the best homes were not good for these children since non-Aboriginal foster parents weren't able to expose them to their culture in the same way that they would have with their biological parents. The school took many things away from these children, such as their birth names, cultural identities, connection to their heritage and history, and languages. Children were also impacted by having low self-esteem and feelings of shame, loneliness, or confusion since they felt like they didn't belong anywhere and didn't know who they were. It has been over half a century since the 60s group began, 
and Indigenous families are still being affected to this day. Children who have grown up with abuse and being told that their culture is wrong tend to have psychological and emotional problems. Many feel as if they don't fit with the Euro-Canadian community or the Aboriginal community because they were raised as white, so they have different world views. Many adoptees have difficulties learning about the heritage and finding their biological family. This is because birth records cannot be accessed without consent from both the child and parent. And during the scoop, some kids were placed into homes as far away as New Zealand. Indigenous children are still overrepresented in child welfare systems. According to Indigenous Services Canada, 52.2% of children in foster care are Indigenous as of 2018, even though they only make up 7% of the total population. In a video from the channel Macklin's called Why Indigenous Children Are Overrepresented in Canada's Foster Care System, it states that the main reason that this issue is still happening is that the federal government underfunds child welfare, health, and social services on reserves. This forces Indigenous parents to put their children up for adoption just to get help. The government has known about this problem for way too long but hasn't done anything to fix it. During the 1980s, the Johnson Report and Justin Calla Edwin Calamon's No Quiet Place report led to changes in child welfare policies. It made it so that children would first be given to extended family or another indigenous family before being placed in a non-indigenous household. The First Nations Child and Family Services program in 1990 allowed local bands to manage their own child and welfare services according to provincial and territorial laws. During the 1990s, class action lawsuits were made against the provincial governments of Ontario, Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. In February 2017, Ontario Superior Court Judge Edward Bellobaba ruled in favor of 60 scoop victims, saying that the federal government didn't do enough to protect the cultural identities of adoptees. This was the first victory for a Sitsi Stoop lawsuit in Canada. In October 2017, the federal government agreed to a settlement of $800 million for survivors of the Sitsi Stoop. However, this payment does not include everyone who was affected. COVID-19 has delayed compensation for survivors, so the Superior Court ordered payments to be given immediately. There are many heartbreaking stories from victims or people who have been affected by the city scoop. One of these stories is from Indian Country Today and an interview with the CBC News about a survivor named Nakiset and her two sisters, Sonia and Rose. Their mother went to a residential school and had a difficult time raising them, so they were placed in foster care. No one wanted to adopt Sonia because she was older so she stayed in the system and was moved from home to home. Nakisat's picture was put in the Adopt Indian and Métis program, and a Jewish family adopted her when she was only three years old. 
Her adoptive parents taught her to hide her heritage by telling her to say she was adopted from Israel. She was raised as a Jew and her birth name was changed to Miriam when she was adopted. Like most Aboriginal adoptees, she left as soon as she could at the age of 18. She says her relationship with her adoptive parents isn't good, but she was very close to her Jewish grandmother before she died. Nakuset said, My Bubby was the most incredible loving woman. She was my salvation, and she saw greatness in me. Nakuset was finally reunited with her sisters when they were in their 20s. But in August of 2018, Sonia committed suicide from the trauma she was put through. Another story is from CBC News about a mother and her daughter that were affected by the city scoop. Linda Dwyer lost her kids after she went to a child welfare agency for help in getting away from an abusive relationship in 1969. More than two decades later, she was finally reunited with her daughter, Shannon Marks. Dwyer was completely cut off from her children but that didn't stop her from writing several letters to the agency in hope of getting them back. However, the agency lied to Dwyer and said that she couldn't get her children back because they were already adopted into a good home. Her daughter, Mark, says that wasn't true. She was beaten and sexually abused in her first foster home for five years. Mark and her sister were put into another home where she was given a new name and told to never use her old name. She ran away when she was only 13 years old, along with her younger sister, and they lived on the streets for a while. They finally found their mother through an adoption reunion registry in 1992. They are still in contact with each other now, but they want acknowledgement for the years that they lost and what they had to go through. I want them to own what they have done to us, said Dwyer. They did this because they felt like they had the power to do what they wanted to do. You can't do this to people. You destroy them. One final story is from Muskrat Magazine's interview with Jeanette Kavanaugh. She recalls the time that her son accidentally burnt himself, so she took him to the doctor. However, someone at the doctor's office reported her so a social worker visited her house. Kavanaugh thought that it was important to tell the social worker, if this was my mother 20 years ago, she wouldn't have had a fighting chance. You visit me the way you are today. If I had been my mother 20 years ago, I would have lost my boy today. Most of this information was sourced from the Canadian Encyclopedia. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope to see you next time and remember to keep on learning.